Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We are in the mood for fantasy football. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into another installment of Pro Football Network Weekly. In the mood for fantasy football. Yesterday, you got myself, Cody Rourke, and Tommy Garrett talking all things fantasy football action. Well, guess what? Tommy Garrett is back here today. Let's welcome him in here on studio. He's our Pro Football Network fantasy football analyst. And look, we got some waiver wire targets. We're going to go through some key storylines around the National Football League about some injuries, COVID placements, obviously in terms of some teams that are in the playoff hunt right now running back position much more we dive through all the skill players today tommy how you doing my man great to have you on again it's good to, have, good to be back with you man uh i'll tell you what it's a weird day because we got all this covid stuff going like it's pouring rain outside and it's just one of those days where we just want to take a nap and just kind of forget everything that's going on unfortunately the nfl doesn't allow me to do that and also neither does pro football network i'm pretty sure i get fired at that point so as long as my password's still working i guess i'm going to keep showing up but you know it's been a pretty good day so far well, it's kind of like the NFL, right? You get, you know, players get the key cards. If their key card no longer works to get in a facility, something's wrong. But obviously yours is still working. Mine's still working, fortunately. It was like that here. Jamal Adams video. <laughs> oh, dude, that was like, that I guess was they fired me already. That, you know, I, that's got to be one of the worst feelings of finding a way that you lose out on, on your job in terms of just the football world. I mean, just it's almost like being broken up with by text message. You know, luckily, uh, I'm grown now. That hasn't happened to me in a long, 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 long time. So I, I think I'm fortunate okay, in that you're regard. Lucky, but, then. Hey, you know what? It, it is what it is. 2021 has been weird. Society, obviously, the way that we communicate with one another is crazy. But you know what? I know fantasy football fans, they love the way that you communicate, the moves that they should probably take a look at making this season. So wanting to take a look here, let's talk about really the big topic to start off today's episode in the move for fantasy football here on Pro Football Network Weekly. And that is the storyline right now in San Francisco. We talked about it a little bit earlier, but Trey Lance could be in line to get the start here for Jimmy Garoppolo, mm-hmm. especially with two games remaining in the regular season an important run to help them stay in the playoff hunt and we don't know whether or not jimmy g is officially out yet right now but he's got a torn ligament in his thumb and a chip bone which as we know a thumb throwing hand not a very ideal situation for him so first off your thoughts on the jimmy g impact and, and maybe if he is out what that means and then maybe what trey lance can do as well I think it's massive because you got the San Francisco 49ers who are actually playing some pretty good football. Um, as much as everyone wants to kind of talk down about Jimmy Garoppolo, he's actually been pretty good at facilitating this offense. And a lot of this came down to, look, they found interesting ways to get Debo Samuel involved in here. They kind of take some of the pressure off uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Like the more you can manufacture touches for this offense, that is very much get athletic players in space. Like that is a Kyle Shanahan Kyle kind of approach. It's why you have guys like Brandon Ayuk on this team. It's why you have George Kittle on this team as well, who are very good. Just get the ball in space, take some of the pressure off the quarterback. Quarterback, 
But if you don't have a good thumb to throw the ball, like that kind of really hurts your offense. You can't really take any deep shots and kind of keep the defense honest. Uh, and so you bring in someone like Trey Lance, who pretty much is like the exact opposite in terms of a skill set. He's got one of the better arms of this entire class. We saw that in North Dakota State. Even though it was a very limited time he was there, we know he can make a lot of these really good throws. He struggled at times with his touch. That's kind of one of his big things. He loves just fireball. It's He needs to learn how to take some throw a change up every once in a while. You yeah. don't have to throw that Jacob deGrom four-seamer in there every single time at five yards away and hurt someone else's thumb uh, potentially too. So as long as he can show a little bit of touch, I think he can actually play pretty well. It's not the first time we've seen him this year. If we go back to week four against Seattle, he put up over 20 fancy points, and that was just in a single half. Most yeah. of that became because he rushed for uh, 41 yards on seven carries. He had two touchdowns that game, so we know what he can bring to this team. According to Kyle Shanahan, he had one of the best bunts of practice, which – I mean, we would kind of expect that you're a rookie. So I would hope you're getting better towards the later part of the year as you're learning the playbook and just learning how to be a professional in the NFL rather than just a student athlete. Uh, so to put him in this kind of situation against Seattle, a team they are very familiar with an in division rival and in a late part of the season, like Trey Lance actually has a lot of upside. You're going to have to have a brass set to play Trey Lance in your championship with the season on the line. Don't get me wrong. But the upside is there, and sometimes you got to risk it for the biscuit. And Trey Lance playing this week, you want that rushing upside. I can make a case where Trey Lance could be a low-end QB1, high-end QB2. If you don't have any better options, you know what? Take a shot on the rookie. you got nothing to lose at that point. I'm glad you brought that up. And you mentioned the the cojones, the brass, you know, having that right there. I wanted to go back. Like your trophy would come with a wheelbarrow to put them in so you can carry them around. I love it. This is kind of like revisionist history for me, right? Because, you know, I grew up watching the Denver Broncos. Kyle Shanahan's father, Mike Shanahan, they uh, they had a veteran quarterback and Jake Plummer on the roster at one point. And then they were still, I mean, they were they had a winning record. They were above 500. I think they were six and three at the time. And then they made the decision to start Jay Cutler over Jake Plummer, even though they had a winning record. It came back to bite them in the tail. And ironically enough, he, it was the San Francisco 49ers who the Broncos had lost to in the season finale. And that was really kind of what cemented the poor decision. Now, I think that when we look at where Kyle Shanahan is at here with Trey Lance, an injury probably makes this a lot easier to do, right? And I know that there's been talking, as you mentioned, Jimmy G, I mean, he, he understands his offense really well. He's had his ups and downs, though. He's had his struggles. But you also mentioned what Trey Lance can do. Trey Lance, you know, he can have the arm. He may be a little bit more inconsistent right now as a passer in comparison to Jimmy G. But as of right now, I mean, he could come out and light it up and surprise all of us. But he adds a dynamic to the offense the 49ers have that they didn't necessarily have with Jimmy G. And they didn't really need it, but that's the athleticism, the design plays, the goal line packages maybe with Trey Lance with his legs. That's great there. But if you are also, if you're Kyle Shannon, you know what I'm doing? I'm making it easy for Trey Lance. I'm throwing screens to Debo yep. Samuel. I'm trying to get the short, quick passing game on mesh patterns with Brandon Ayuk set up. And obviously, I'm finding a way to get George Kittle the ball in short yardage space and maybe take a couple of shots downfield. Well, a big thing is to do too much. use his mobility to your advantage. Get him rolling outside the pocket. Reduce the field down to a half. Play from seam to play from the seam to the sidelines. So reduce that throw down, throw a couple level concepts, a couple smash concepts in there where it kind of reduces where he has to focus his reads on. Change the progression. Okay, I noticed where the safety is, where the linebacker is, and only put a couple reads in that offense. And if he doesn't see that, take off your legs. And I think yeah. you brought up a really good point about the injury making this easier. It's very hard for a coach, no matter how much he draft capital he invested into Trey Lance to go ahead and say, I'm going to move off the starter and trust the rookie. Like, if you have an injury, it kind of takes a little bit of the ownership away from having to make that decision. And it's yep. a difficult decision for a head coach, especially someone like uh, Kyle Shanahan. For as good as he has been, 
there are still the rumors that are going around that they're about, you know, they talk about his record. They talk about, you know, where's these Super Bowls, these championships that we were all kind of been wanting for this coach who is one of the best play callers in the NFL. So you have a coach who's kind of already on the hot seat, but it takes a little bit of that responsibility and some of the blame away in case this doesn't go well. It's a rookie making his first start. That can be the narrative in case it doesn't go well. And if it does go well, this is why we spent all these draft picks on him. Like it's kind of a win-win situation for Kyle Shanahan. Well, it buys you another year, essentially. And look, I think that the yeah. pressure, the seat was warming up a little bit, obviously due to the losses. But, you know, obviously, thankfully, right now, they're they're in the playoff hunt. And when you look at mm-hmm. the NFC, you look at the teams below them at the seventh seed, you look at the teams below them at eight, nine, and ten, kind of trying to get in. You know, I think the Saints' chances kind of took a little bit of a dip with the loss that they had on Monday night. Absolutely. Obviously, so we'll, we'll talk about that. Obviously, you know, if you had Ian Book in your fantasy lineups, I feel sorry for you. Hopefully, you uh, got bigger problems than I can fix. Hopefully you can overcome that. It might need a therapy session. I think we all could use that there. I mean, that was a game. I, I don't know why I watched that. You know, that was a, one of the worst games I've seen all season long, just from a just from a spectator standpoint. And I was like, okay, how can I put my analyst hat on here? I'm like, I don't even want to do that here. This is just not a fun game to watch. But yeah. definitely looking forward to seeing what Trey Lance can do. And obviously we're waiting official confirmation from Kyle Shannon whether or not Trey Lance will get the start or whether or not Jimmy Garoppolo will try to play through the injury, which is something that is on the table right now for the 49ers. But, you know, let's take the thing is, though, if we think about that, though, that didn't work out well for Gardner Minshew. Think back last year when he was hiding his thumb injury. That's that ended true. up almost costing him his job. Granted, you were always going to take Trevor Lawrence, but that hurt his future with how other teams viewed him. It's all about what did you do for me lately? You're still putting game tape out there for someone, even if that tape isn't for your current team. So Jimmy Garoppolo needs to be careful because he knows at some point this will not be his roster. And he's trying to be evaluated by the other 31 teams. So don't make your last impression you out there struggling while trying to gut through an injury we know you're all dealing with. Yeah, that's actually a great point, too. And and you can obviously hurt your stock. I mean, that's really where Baker Mayfield's at right now. When we talk about Baker Mayfield. He is absolutely hurting his stock and his value right now by trying to play through the injury. We'll talk about that another day, ladies and gentlemen. But, you know, let's talk about, uh, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Dare Ogubawale is taking on the New England Patriots this week. And, look, I think this is a matchup that we talked about a little bit in yesterday's In the Move for Fantasy Football because, look, the news of James Robinson, obviously a significant blow. We touched on that. But it opens up the opportunity for Ogubawale, especially against the New England Patriots defense. Now, while they buckled up a little bit against the, the Buffalo Bills, They've given up a lot of yards this year on the ground and and specifically to the Tennessee Titans who were decimated at one point. They gave up over 200 yards on the ground at two rushers combined in their matchup earlier on in the season. Now, do you expect anything to change here against the Patriots, especially as they take on the Jaguars? What can you kind of maybe foresee with Dario Gubawale if they can pick him up on the waiver wire? I think one of the things that was like, you have to look at the situation of the teams they were playing against. Like, you can give up yardage to good teams. Like the Jacksonville Jaguars are not a good team. We're all aware of this. They're going to have the back-to-back number one overall picks. And that's not a good thing you have. So it's, there's a difference in having a starting running back on a good team and a starting running back on a, a poor team. Now, Grant, it does help that he is going to be by himself in this backfield. Carlos Hyde, he's on the season ending IR. He's done for the season. You know, we already have Travis Etienne, who they lost for the entire year. So you get Daria Gumbawali in a very positive role where he's going to see the lion's share of the touches. There's a couple guys on the practice squad, someone like, you know, Reichel, Alex, uh, Reichel Armstead, who could they potentially call up because I'm sure they'll need some extra depth. Like, you don't want to give him, you know, 30 touches in one game and just run him into the ground. Um, I know we talked about this one too a little bit yesterday. Someone like LaVisca Chenault, we could see kind of get insert more into the offense, assuming that he can come off the uh, COVID list as well. Um, but I think Reichel Arms said he's going to bring you that 
I'd say right now, like a low end RB three kind of value. Um, I could see the Patriots really keying in on him because Bill Belichick. We know the whole stats of him against rookie QBs. We don't need to sit here and reiterate the, all that kind of stuff. And it's you're going to force Trevor Lawrence to try to beat you. Um, I don't think Dario Gumbawale prevents the, presents the biggest threat to the New England Patriots right now. Um, so I could see them kind of like, hey, let's see what he's got uh, in terms of the rookie quarterback. So I do like him in terms of a waiver claim. He would be one of the top waiver claims if you need a running back, even as just to block your opponent. Someone who's already dealing with a COVID injury, or look, there might be some other guys who pop up later on this week that test positive. Um, we still don't know if Dalvin Cook is going to be able to come back. Given the timing of his uh, COVID positive test, Saturday would be the day where he could potentially clear. That gives you 24 hours. So if someone is dealing with that kind of situation, you're looking to pick someone up like Daria Gumbawali, someone like, um, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about him later, later on in Cam Akers, someone also like um, uh, Devin Singletary. These kind of guys you can get off your waiver wire, pull pull them into like an RB2 kind of role. So you might you might not be playing them, but you're also blocking the person who's battling you right now for the fantasy championship. So even if you don't want to play them, I think Dario Gumbawali is going to be a worthwhile waiver claim this week. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Uh, These blocking moves, I've heard a lot about that, especially as the playoffs, championships are happening right now, ongoing in various leagues. You did mention Cam Akers. He's our next running back that we're talking about on the waiver wire. And obviously, we're going to focus a little bit more on this because now it's official. Darrell Henderson has been placed on injured reserve, uh, especially with the MCL injury he's dealing with. You have Sony Michelle, who's the primary RB1 right now for this football team. But also at the same time, is this a risky move? What can we expect from Sean McVay if, in fact, I mean, he could play this weekend? Something yes. to keep an eye on. We don't know too much yet about Cam Akers. We don't know if he's going to be a full workload behind Sony Michelle or if he's going to be on a pitch count. And can you put that much expectation on Sony Michelle as well? The thing I think is always fascinating to me is whenever a player who's injured posts a workout video and we watch the internet just go ballistic. But I think we kind of forget that running around in your shorts versus running around with a 6'6 dude weighing 310 running a 4'4". There's a big difference in what your body needs to be able to do, and especially at the running back position. Um, what Cam Akers is doing just coming back this early from a torn Achilles is sensational. It's something we don't normally see. Like Typically, a torn Achilles, especially for a skilled player like a running back, that takes a while to come back for. Like Earlier in the season, we were looking at what Marlon Mack and his usage, and we were like, okay, yeah. this is a positive sign for Cam Akers. And like, th- we were starting to see his value slightly uptick thinking towards the 2022 season. I don't think a lot of us were actually expecting him to be back for the fantasy regular season. There was always the chance and there was conversations coming out of beat reporters from LA that we could see Cam Akers come back for the playoffs. I guess we didn't realize it was going to be our playoffs at the same time. Um, I can't help but wonder if the Darrell Henderson move to the IR helped kind of speed this up. 
Um, I think it probably did, and most likely, I think they would want to give Cam Akers as much possible time uh, to sit there and get rested as long as they can because they know he is the future of this backfield. Uh, you look at what happened last year towards the end of the season when he really took over. I mean, he was averaging over 20 opportunities per game for the last few weeks and also into the playoffs. He was one of the most active running backs in the NFL. Like, we're not expecting that in his first game. It's still going to be Sony Michelle's backfield, and Cam Akers will serve as the RB2 on this team. Um, I still like Sony Michelle to be in that RB2 kind of range. I think Cam Akers will be on a snap count. Uh, so I think he's probably going to be a guy where if you want to roster him, let's say if you're on, I know in a lot of ESPN leagues, for example, they do two-week playoffs. So you have a week 17 and a week 18 to decide your championship. If you want to pick up Cam Akers, do it now on the off chance that you might potentially use him in week 18. So you're also kind of getting ahead of your opponent a little bit. And also you're kind of just, you're, um, I guess stacking your hand a little bit at that point because you might not need him, but you're also not going to need to fight anyone else to get him next week. And hey, you might end up having a Cam Akers who ends up being an RB2. God forbid something happens to Sony Michelle and they lose out other options. All of a sudden, Cam Akers, final week of, the, of your fantasy championship, he's now a starting running back. That's not something we expected, but I think it would be something that would actually be a hell of a storyline to kind of come back full circle. A guy all of a sudden we thought we lost for the season comes back and is the one that's going to help you hoist that hardware. That was one of the injuries that we saw. And obviously there were several in the preseason at training camp. They were like, man, this is brutal for them. And obviously I think in the it fantasy was the running back, Cam it was Akers, Cam was Akers Travis Etienne, like JK Dobbins, like all those guys go down. Like the running back herd got thinned quickly. And then Gus Edwards right after that. It's like, wow, Baltimore. Don't remind me. Gus Edwards was the guy I was stacking on every one of my teams. He's Three on my IR right now. Of over too. 130 carries, 700 yards. Like he was going to be the guy. No, That's frustrating. no apparently not. You know, fantasy football, one thing I've learned about, you know, for me this year, I really cut back on the quantity of fantasy leagues I was in, and I focused on just being in one quality league. And I tell you what, I have pulled my hair out this year with injuries, with COVID in the last couple of weeks. And I shared my story about where I'm at in my league right now. I'm playing for third place, unfortunately. I dropped mine also this year. I had I had over 30 a couple of years ago, and then last year, kind of doing all this full-time, I had 19. That was like way too many. Um, I dropped it down to... I was in 12 this year. Um, this So next summer, can you please remind me not to play in too many leagues? Yes, like, can, I got can we, you. Can we hold each other accountable here? Because yes. I cannot mentally handle this anymore. Like, it's one thing to be disappointed from a fan aspect and from covering the NFL every day. It's a whole different thing when I'm sitting here invested in my rosters and I'm dealing with it double time. Like, I would really like to avoid this and that as much as I can. Man, it, misery it, that that misery I just can't imagine keeping up with that much, right? That's it, just absolutely brutal. But kind of sticking here in terms of brutal. Obviously, we talk about injuries that have impacted the running back position. We talked about the Kansas City Chiefs and Clyde Edwards-Helaire. Luckily, yeah. good news for the Chiefs. X-rays came back negative. He should be fine. But in the meantime, especially as they have a chance to lock up the one seed, we could expect to see a lot of Darrell Williams and Derek Gore for this Kansas City Chiefs team. Will we see a running back by committee approach with them? Something we talked about a little bit. They're going to be taking on a very tough Cincinnati Bengals rush defense, which right now is third in the NFL in terms of stopping the run. And they make life very miserable. DJ Reader on the interior. You have Trey Hendrickson on the outside. Pretty good linebackers and flowing safeties yep. that come up and tackle. This is going to be a very interesting matchup this week, I think, for fantasy managers if they have either a Darrell Williams or a Derek Gore, especially on fantasy lineups. What is your advice here for fantasy football managers? 
This is one of my favorite games of the week, just from a, a pure fan standpoint. Yes. I think we kind of talked about this a little bit yesterday, like the Kansas City offense against the Bengals offense, Joe Burrow coming off, you know, dropping over 500 yards and four touchdowns. Patrick Mahomes playing well, might be getting also Travis Kelsey back. So I think I love this one. He kind of brought up that Cincinnati Bengals defense. They've been just as difficult for fantasy. Over the last four weeks, they're number four in, in uh, points allowed to the opposing running backs. And like I said, Clyde Edwards-Alaire should be okay. But if you're looking at a team where, okay, we're, we know we're in the playoffs, you're hunting for the number one seed. They have longer-term expectations and goals of just trying to win in Week 17. So I could easily see them, hey, look, even if Clyde Woods-Lair could come back, they don't need to. I see this being very much more of a dual-committee approach between Darrell Williams and Derek Gordon. I think both have played well. Uh, if we look early in the season, like between Weeks uh, 6 through 10, Darrell Williams had 244 rushing yards on 69 attempts with two touchdowns. He had 226 receiving yards also during that time, uh, which was second most in the NFL for the position. So I think we could see him very easily kind of be involved in this thing. And I think Derek Gore also brings a lot of upside in games with 10 or more uh, opportunities. He's averaging 13.7 PPR points and 80.3 yards per game. Um, So I think like at that point, like, you know, you have two competent running backs who can at that point, you know, kind of feed off the offense. Like obviously, You have to respect the passing game. This is still Patrick Mahomes. It's still Travis Kelsey. Like, hey, I mean, so and also uh, Tyreek Hill. Byron Pringle is playing really well. I mean, once he popped off, I don't think he's going to stop. I think we throw that little tagline in there. Uh, So, I mean, I think the running back committee is going to be a complimentary part of this offense. It won't be the focus as it never has been in an Andy Reid style team. Uh, But I think they're both going to present a little bit of value this weekend. And they're sitting on your waivers. I think Darrell Williams would be the number one priority. But if you can find Derek Gore out there, he's going to bring you that low end RB3 kind of upside. And hey, look, he might get some of that receiving work as well, which we know is so valuable in PPR formats. Well, especially with how often and, and just how easy it is for the Chiefs to score, whether they're backed up and have to go 90 yards or whether they're within the 20. I do worry about when they get in the red zone. Sometimes they get a little too yeah. cute and fancy. That's a, something I think that makes very, you know a lot of fancy managers very uh, upset about. I mean, this like week we there. find out, are the Bengals legit? That's the we big thing. Are you for real? Because if you can go out and you can knock off the Kansas City Chiefs, you've earned a lot of people respect. Because it's oh, one yeah. thing to win in the AFC North. It's a whole different thing to beat the, what is it, three-time now defending in AFC champions? Yep, and not to mention they've just owned the AFC West division for just, I believe it's seven consecutive years of now owning the division. They've they've won it there. So brutal, 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 brutal. But, you know, kind of shifting focus to another devastating injury, I think, for everybody in the fantasy community looking at it as well. And obviously he posted on Instagram, Miles Sanders had surgery, obviously on the broken hand that he sustained last week. We talked a little bit about Boston, Boston Scott and Jordan Howard. Who can the Eagles rely on between these two guys and, and Jordan Howard we obviously knew left the game last week with the stinger should be good to go mm-hmm. those are things that you deal with from time to time but for the most part looking at this Eagles backfield if you're a fantasy football manager you have a chance to pick any of these guys up on waiver wires who are you going with I think one of the things we kind of keep an eye on and I've actually seen some of the Philadelphia beat reporters talk about this and it's actually Jordan Howard's like shoulder injury had a, like a, a little bit ago and actually forced him to miss a couple weeks so it Ooh. seems like there's kind of just conflicting stories but like between the team and like the perception we're kind of having about, you know, Jordan Howard will be fine. And there's some beat reporters being like, okay, this might be a little more um, serious than we might be initially leading on to. I think when you add in the age factor into it as well, that always kind of hurts the healing time frame. Um, I think eventually it would probably be Jordan Howard with the what guy we would expect to see kind of take over this role. Like granted, Boston Scott did see 12 for 41, had a touchdown, but all of that work came after Jordan Howard had already suffered his stinger injury by that point he already had nine for 37 uh had two uh two receptions for uh, 19 yards 
ran 10 routes, which I think was a little bit of a surprising aspect tonight, especially when you think that, look, they just drafted Kenneth Gainwell, who was arguably the best pass receiver of this rookie class coming out of Memphis. He was a guy who had a literal full complimentary route tree to even running out of the X or in the Z down there. Like, it's very rare you see a running back running comeback routes, even at the college level. <laughs> and he's capable of doing that. And what's turned into a little bit of like a, of a powerhouse in Memphis in terms of producing running back talent, you know, Darrell Henderson, we just talked about Kenneth Gainwell, Antonio Gibson, all have come out in recent years. Um, so I think you are probably going to see Jordan Howard would be the number one, if he is going to be healthy, but I think it's going to be a split regardless. We kind of talked about this hit on this a little bit yesterday, just the change in offensive philosophy for the Philadelphia Eagles, like since from week eight through week 16, like they're running the ball on over 60% of the time, which is a massive difference to the NFL average of about 43%. Like Nick Sirianni decided, hey, look, we can win running the ball, especially with this offensive line and win healthy is one of the better ones in the NFL. Um, and also kind of hey, take some of the pressure off Jalen Hurts' arm. It's why we saw, okay, all of a sudden, look, Devonta Smith had, had been down for a little bit. You lose Miles Sanders, all of a sudden, hey, Devonta Smith has a good game because they're forced, they forced Jalen Hurts to throw the ball a little bit more, which I think we all can admit, like, he is capable of doing. Like, yeah. give the guy a little bit of time. Like, I've very much been on the Jalen Hurts defense uh, side of things like I believe he can be a very good quarterback in the NFL like the skill set is there he's been a winner everywhere he has been whether it was at Alabama whether it was at Oklahoma like just give the guy a little bit of time like you have Jalen Rager who's been for the most part a bust given his draft capital yeah so you're starting to get some complimentary pieces in here you keep that offensive line healthy I think this is a team that can win with Jalen Hurts and also like you've got this running back game that can kind of take some of the pressure off of him so I think you're probably going to end up seeing a little bit of a committee approach between both Boston Scott and Jordan Howard I think they'll both be viable plays this week Oh, and I liked it too, especially what you mentioned about Jalen Hurts. I think Quez Watkins has really emerged for him as one of those guys, and not yes. to mention even Devontae Smith has become very fun. I mean, the way that they're getting these guys involved, you love to see it. Obviously, Alabama is just a pipeline of a massive talent at the wide receiver and position. And we got another one coming this year in Jamison. Ooh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited He's about that He's been one of the biggest risers of the entire draft class. Ooh, it's going to be fun, and obviously you catch more of that too, especially for later on Dynasty Football Leagues as well when it comes to these college players coming out in the NFL draft. Who should you keep an eye on? Tommy and the fantasy department here at ProFootballNetwork.com will have you covered. Real quick, we're going to transition to the wide receiver position coming up here in just a moment. Ladies and gentlemen, before we do that, let me just give a special shout-out to our friends over there at First Leaf. And ladies and gentlemen, you can get six bottles of wine for $29.95 today when you go to TryFirstLeaf.com slash ProFootball, use promo code PFN, and it'll get you there. Six bottles of wine, $29.95 plus free shipping. Tryfirstleaf.com slash pro football. So with that said, let's talk about the wide receiver. For someone like me, here. by the way, who buys bottles of wine based off the label, first leaf has been incredible because I can actually like, yeah. hey, that actually matches what I like instead of they just randomly go and I'm wasting my money on stuff I'm actually not going to enjoy. So I, I just want to give a quick little shout out to them because they have been extremely helpful. Yeah, no, they, it's fantastic stuff, too. We use it during the holiday season. And real quick, our super yes. producer, Brian Backstage, just notified me that the NFL, one of the reports that just came out, the NFL is looking to adapt the CDC guidelines for five days of quarantine, regardless of vaccination status. And if that happens today, that means potentially Carson Wentz could come back and play this week. This, I mean, I we, we talked about COVID okay. has changed everything. This, I think, makes it even more confusing let's I think, about the fantasy managers. So let's open it up, and then we'll talk about you know one of our favorite guys on Amon Ross St. Brown a little bit later. But if they do go from 10 to 5, I mean, it really does change the game a little bit. But yeah. to my understanding, I wonder – I don't think it changes. If they're still showing symptoms, then more than likely I think they'll still be out. And obviously for Carson Wentz, he's unvaccinated as is. So if he's still showing symptoms, I still don't think he's going to play. Yeah, I guess that's that's interesting to me because you have these guys – okay, it's – 
the regardless of vaccination status is kind of what I was wondering. I didn't know if this would apply for guys who were only, you know, uh, unvaccinated or vaccinated, but are asymptomatic, you know, guys like Dalvin Cook, who are saying, you know, they're feeling fine, um, how that would affect them. Because we have several guys on the COVID list right now, you know, Dalvin Cook, uh, Mike Williams is on the COVID list. Obviously, Carson Wentz just got added yeah. today. So I, I'd be very curious to kind of see the more details as it comes out. Obviously, like, we'll learn more and more as it comes out. Pro Football Network will keep you guys up to date on all the latest news on what we end up hearing about this from reporters. Um, so I think that'll be interesting because if we can get some of these guys back, that's a massive difference. Like, if you can go from, you know, Sam Ellinger, just talking about the Colts, for example, like, <laughs> the impact that has going back to Carson Wentz. Like, all of a sudden, everyone all of a sudden goes back to original value. Like, Jonathan Taylor was about to see 40 touches in this game if it was going to be Sam Ellinger because regardless of what he said – he ain't back and neither is Texas, but like that's a whole different topic we can get into also. Um, but it brings back Michael Pippen back into like in that RB that wide receiver two kind of territory. Otherwise, he was going to be low in wide receiver three because you always have to question what he's going to do. If we go back to the preseason, like he had some decent yards, but he also threw three interceptions. He lost a little bit of time. Uh, he suffered an injury, I believe it was in their final preseason game, so he missed a little bit of time. But I mean, he's always getting those mental reps uh, when he was out and also in practice, kind of working with the twos. Uh, but there's a big difference between going from, you know, Sam Ellinger to Carson Wentz, who knows this system, very familiar with obviously the coaching staff. There's a reason they brought him in, and he had been playing pretty well. Like, great. Like, every time you give the ball to Jonathan Taylor, he can obviously always take over a game. And so long as Sam Ellinger can literally just step back three, three feet and hand the ball off, the Colts would have been okay. But it's a massive boost to any team if you're going to get back someone uh, of, a, of a very high caliber player, kind of like we talk about, you know, Dalvin Cook. Like, for as good as Alexander Madison is, Getting back Dalvin Cook's a big upgrade. I mean, he's probably Huge. arguably one of the top running backs in the NFL. Like, he's top three. Uh, so to get him back, like, any of these players on the COVID list, like, that's a big deal. It sucks if you lost last week uh, and you had some guys that were sitting out, you know, something like, you know, Brandon Cooks. I know he didn't yeah. play last week because of COVID. So it it's just the issue of the timing. Like, we're all still learning what's going on with COVID, the impact that it has, all these new variants. And so was the NFL and the scientists always coming out with new uh, with new information so it's the NFL has to adapt and as does fantasy managers in the industry itself so it's it's nice that we have a chance to get some of these guys back a little sooner than we could but it's also going to present some issues hey you've got to pay attention uh, I think one of the nice things is that we also we don't have a Thursday night game this week Thank and it's weird goodness. to say hey look we don't have a game so it's after what was like eight games in 10 days I'm like eight days it was like eight eight different days with games on out of like a 10-day calendar whatever it was last week um, so we don't have to worry about that now. So that gives us time to get these protocols put in place. Guys all of a sudden come back and test negative. Hey, we might have a full slate of, of players back for our fantasy lineups for the championships. That's all you could ask for because now like whoever made it, the best team is going to win. Not just the one who's been the luckiest when it comes to social distancing. Ooh, I like that little tiny made. You know, I'm going to put my helmet on Sam Ellinger. If in fact he is the guy I put it on, I'm hearing coach, right? Say, Hey, here's the play. Hand it off to JT. All right. That's all I got to do. That's what I'm doing. Left, right, left, right. We're going to give him 40 carries, 20 to the left, 20 to the right. I'm with it, ideally. Maybe even a toss pass out of there. We we might see what we can do out of there. You know what I would do? I would toss the ball to Jonathan Taylor and have the tight end leak across, bam, throw it to him. Look, talk about fantasy value. That would be tremendous. We don't see it too often in the NFL world. Yeah. Something a little hypothetical. Honestly, because Jack Doyle has actually been injured. So Mo Alley Cox would have been an interesting play for those kind of short to intermediate routes. So he would have been an interesting play on them. Like you said, it's honestly, you could just run like a Herman Boone playbook. I remember the Titans where it's like 13 plays all run, just like Novocaine. Divot time always works. Same thing I do with Jonathan Taylor. Give him the ball. It's always going to work. 
At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my Taste Buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. No, I'm with it too. And obviously I, I saw a lot of Mo Ali Cox jokes in the fantasy uh, football world in terms of, you know, less is Mo. And so we'll see. I mean, we haven't seen too much. He's in my league. I've got him on my roster, but you know, there's been limited spurts where I have not been able to use him. Uh, yeah, unfortunately. He's very touchdown dependent. Often. He's been that way his oh. entire career. I mean, he's a red zone threat given his size. I believe I've correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure he has the NFL record for wingspan. He was a hell of a basketball player at VCU. So it's not surprising all of a sudden to see this guy come out there. Like a lot of tight ends now, like the NFL wants these super athletic former basketball player tight end. So Moa kind of fits the mold. Well, let's switch now to our wide receiver position here and obviously talk about one of our favorites in the Detroit Lions. Look, not a lot of people are talking about the Detroit Lions. We've loved watching them all year and fantasy football managers that are starting to really, really, really love Amon Ross St. Brown. And they're taking on a Seattle Seahawks defense this week. They look, they give up a lot of big plays through the air for the most part. They've adjusted, I think, at the middle of the season. Yeah. But Amon Ross St. Brown, he's going, he's going to see a lot of targets. He's going to see a lot of volume. And Tommy, interesting stat here. He's rostered in 69% of leagues. Nice. So your, your thoughts initially really on Amon Ross St. Brown against the Seahawks this week. And you know, what, what can fantasy football managers expect? Maybe it's fun for me because every time Amon Ross St. Brown does something good, all of a sudden I start getting mentions from people because I've been talking about Amon Ross St. Brown for years at this point, I've got his Jersey back in one of the rooms. I should have brought it out for this one, obviously. Uh, but look, he's getting peppered with targets. He's had 11 plus targets in four straight games last week, even without Jared Goff. Nine for 91, gets a touchdown, ends up getting two carries for 19 yards. So not quite the Debo Samuel kind of rushing upside, but hey, you take what you can get when you're the Detroit Lions. So I'll take whatever I can get out of him. You know, 23 plus points in three of his last four games. The only game that he didn't was in week 14 against Denver Broncos, who have a very good secondary. Ends up still got 15.3 points. So he was still startable. I think the loss of TJ Hawkinson really kind of shook up how this team really needed to distribute the targets. And all of a sudden you realize, hey, look, we have a really good receiver who I know myself and you know Ian Cummings, one of our uh, college guys, me and him on draft day were just shocked of how far Amon Ross St. Brown was falling. And so to see him all of a sudden kind of break out a little bit, because like rookie wide receivers don't all break out at the same time. Some of these guys take a little bit of time. Like not everyone is a Jalen Waddle. Not everyone is a Jamar Chase or Devonta Smith. So Give these guys a little bit of time, especially in an offense and a system that's constantly evolving. You've got a brand new head coach. You've got a quarterback who's also learning this system at the exact same time. So you gave it a little bit of time, and now it's kind of paying off. Like since week three, Alon Ross St. Brown is the wide receiver two in fantasy. Number two, like there's only one person better than him. He's averaging 22.4 PPR points. Like you said, he's still out there. He's only rostered in 69% of leagues. Like even in a matchup like this against Seattle, who is getting better, like, we still expect the Detroit Lions to need to throw the ball. 
Like, granted, like, you have, might be getting Donder Smith back. We don't really know. I don't think they should play him. Let him rest. Like, you still have Jamal Williams, who's back there, who can carry the ball for you guys. But it's going to have to come through the passing game if you want to put anything up. And Amon Ross St. Brown is going to be the one who's going to have to lead the charge for the Lions. I love him. He's a wide receiver, too, for me. And you can't beat the volume he's right now. He, right now, he's currently seeing. Oh, and there's a huge NFC North matchup here this week. The Green Bay Packers taking on the Minnesota Vikings. And unfortunately for the Vikings, Adam Thielen re-aggravated his high ankle sprain, something that's been lingering. He really fought through it last week. But this does open up the opportunities for other guys. And look, Justin Jefferson, he's going to see a lot of attention from defenses. But let's talk about K.J. Osborne a little bit, take on this Green Bay Packers secondary. That For the last couple of weeks, it was, it's been interesting enough to watch them. I, I thought that they were really solid throughout the, the first half of the season. But in the last couple of weeks, Seems like they're giving up some big plays and, and coverage. Stokes is struggling a little bit. They don't have Jair Alexander back just yet. What's well, they have until Wednesday. Wednesday mm. is the last day they have to activate him or That's his season change is everything. So I wouldn't so, be surprised if they activate him just to hope to have him for the regular for the for the postseason. So if you see, see him activated, happening. don't necessarily assume that he's going to play this week. Probably same thing too. I mean, obviously they're hoping to get David Bakhtiari back, but like for example, yep. let's say that they do activate him and let's say he does somehow miraculously play in this game, which I don't think that he would yet. How does that change things for a guy like KJ Osborne inside the Minnesota Vikings offense? As you mentioned, they could get Dalvin Cook back. They may not. Alexander Madison's been a very reliable guy for them Absolutely. behind Cook. But like, where do you go? I mean, we talk about guys like Tyler Conklin at tight end, but for Kirk Cousins, he's really not had, I think, the ideal production. I mean, mm -hmm. legitimately against Chicago Bears, he cost me, he cost me a chance at the championship. So I'm, I'm a little salty. You don't like that? No, I'm salty. I don't like that. I mean, I it just may, it brings me back to a time where I saw Kirk Cousins singing his acapella stuff in high school, and all of a sudden now I can't stand the guy. So. For those who I are looking at these KJ Osborne, oh, that tragic, dude. That was I don't weird. know how I forgot about him. That stuff will haunt your dreams. Nightmare fuel, my friend. But tell us a little bit about KJ Osborne. KJ Osborne has actually proven to be a pretty reliable wide receiver, too. And now he turns into like a wide receiver three and now turned into wide receiver two. Coming into the season, that was kind of one of the questions for the Minnesota Vikings was who was going to take over that wide receiver two, wide receiver three role. We knew obviously, um, Jamar Jefferson, I'm sorry, Justin Jefferson, and we knew Adam Thielen would kind of be that one-two duo, but you brought in Amir Smith-Marset, you had B.C. Johnson on this team, and kind of K.J. Osborne has kind of been the one to all of a sudden take over, not to mention they also lost Irv Smith Jr. Uh, this season as well, who was a really big contributor and a guy who we all thought could have broken out yeah. uh, in his second year out of Alabama. Um, last week, you know, K.J. Osborne, 5-7 of seven for 68 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he's had touchdowns in three of his last four. Like I said, Adam Thielen did re-aggravate his high ankle sprain, and you could tell he was upset because he had worked and came back, and the minute that happened, slams his helmet down right there by the goal line, and he knew what happened. Um, you appreciate him trying to gut it out, but there's only so much you can do if your body isn't going to handle it. Um, and it's one of the like, they, he just needs to rest. There's nothing else he can do about that because, I mean, Adam Thielen, like, He's one of those guys that he's going to give it everything he has. And even at the later stages in his career, he's playing some of the best football of his career, especially in the red zone. Like he's one of the best uh, touchdown producers that there is in the NFL. And so a lot of that work is going over towards KJ Osborne, 26 targets in, in his last four games, three of those over seven plus. So I'd expect him to be another high contributor in this offense right now, assuming that Adam Thielen is probably going to miss this week as well. If Jair Alexander does miraculously come back, obviously, Big deal. One of the best cornerbacks yeah. in the NFL. He can shut down whoever they want. So you can literally run bracket coverage, keep that safety over top to keep Justin Jefferson even getting those deep crossers, run those deep nine routes. You kind of shut him down a little bit for the most part, kind of like what the Pittsburgh Steelers did in the second half when they decided, hey, we're going to stop running man coverage on Justin Jefferson. Go figure. That's probably a good idea. Uh, then you throw J.R. Alexander on the other side. Like, 
you all of a sudden can give the attention to guys that they kind of deserve on this team. And like I said, if you get Dalvin Cook, it forces them now, hey, Dalvin Cook, we can rely on you if the passing game is starting to kind of struggle a little bit. If they don't get Alexander back, I think KJ Osmond is probably going to be a viable play once again this week. Well, let's take a look at the Los Angeles Chargers wide receiver, Josh Palmer, taking on a Denver Broncos secondary that's been pretty good uh, throughout this season. Very consistent with Ronald Darby, Patrick Sertan, guys in the back end, Kareem Jackson, Justin Simmons, and Bryce Callahan. That secondary does not get the respect it deserves at all. They're, they're inconsistent, which I don't think is necessarily a product of them. I think it's a product of Vic Fangio's scheme against certain teams. It's a division. You're playing four games against the Chiefs and the Chargers every season. <laughs> Well, now, so this is a rematch because the last time that these two teams faced off the Broncos, they beat the Chargers and the secondary. They just they had a dominant performance yeah. against Justin Herbert and these receivers. Now, obviously, right now, as it stands today, no Mike Williams in this matchup, obviously out due to COVID. But we'll see if the NFL, NFLPA come to terms on making this new thing that's been proposed yeah. by the CDC, according to Adam Schefter, something that's a reality. Or does that apply starting next week? That's See, this is where I think we're all confused. I think that fantasy managers – this is one of the most unprecedented times that we've talked about here on the show regarding it, because it's like, how do we make informed decisions without the information? Right. And that's just where we're all at a standstill right now. So Josh Palmer kind of filling in no Mike Williams here. You talk about guys like obviously Jalen Guyton, Keenan Allen, they really haven't had a lot of contribution from the tight end position. Jared Cook here and there, Parham, obviously yeah. from time to time. Not sure Parham will be playing in this game or anytime oh. soon. He might be done for the I season. I still can't believe that injury. Yeah, that was so scary. I mean, it was absolutely brutal. But the only guy that really hurt the Broncos against, uh, you know, in that first matchup was Jared Cook. And it was just a freak catch that he had by mm -hmm. Justin Herbert. Just a, a really wild circus catch for a touchdown. Outside of that, the Broncos secondary, you know, they, they really shut it down. So should fantasy managers maybe take the risk on a guy like Josh Palmer this week, who's, I think, has been pretty impressive filling in so far? Yeah, he's been pretty good, but it's also kind of been a product of the environment. Like you talked about, Mike Williams is on the COVID list. So was Jalen Guyton. And that was a guy through in the weeks 13 and 14. He had seven receptions on seven targets for 177 yards and a touchdown. And he scored a touchdown in his last three games on the team. So he had really kind of started to take off. So I think Palmer kind of saw this increase in production because of the lack of additional targets. Not to mention, Austin Eckler wasn't in there last week. And we know how yeah. he is to this uh, passing game and his work out of the backfield. Catches uh, five of six passes for 43 yards, gets a touchdown. He's got touchdowns in two of his last three games. Uh, one of those also going back to was in week 14 against the New York Giants, a very different secondary than what we're going to see against Denver. Called five of seven or six, six, for 66 yards, had that touchdown as well. He's going to be probably a deeper league play in a 14-teamer. I think you can probably want to start him. I think you're probably going to have better options. Like, you've made it to the fantasy championships for a reason. You probably have a deeper team. So someone like Josh Palmer, while he might be – a number two for this team. I don't think he's going to see the upside that we're going to like to see out of a guy who we want to be relying on for our fantasy championships. It's going to be a lot of Keenan Allen. It's going to be a lot of Austin Eckler. And, out, and unless Palmer gets that touchdown, I think he might end up struggling for a lot of fantasy success because he's not going to see the volume like someone like Keenan Allen might in this offense. Well, let's go rapid fire here for the tight end position. And obviously we're approaching kind of the near end of in the move for fantasy football here today. And ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. Still stay here. Even after in the move for fantasy football, we'll take a 15 minute break. And then you're going to have between the hash, you're going to have Ollie Hodgkinson and Ian Cummings on. And they're going to be discussing obviously big NFL draft news with Garrett Wilson declaring for the 2022 NFL draft. They're going to debate. Is he wide receiver one in this year's draft class? Not to mention, they're going to go over their top five receivers from their updated Top 300 player, big It better be Traylon Burks as the number one. I'm just saying. Well, you're going to have to tune in to, to Between the Hashes shortly after this. Obviously, coming up at 5 o'clock Eastern time here on Pro Football Network Weekly. Real quick, rapid fire, tight ends. Gerald Everett against the Detroit Lions. 
Cole Komet versus the New York Giants, and then Tyler Conklin at the Green Bay Packers. Your rapid-fire thoughts here on the tight end position from a waiver wire standpoint. Look, we know what the tight end position is at this point. It's all touchdown dependent. Like, unless yeah. you get a touchdown, you're not scoring in fantasy football right now. Uh, there's six to eight tight ends I think we feel relatively safe with every single week. Beyond that, we're looking for upside. Because uh, I mean, we're missing someone like, you know, Pat Fryermuth, who was scoring a lot of touchdowns. He saw yep. a concussion. Uh, that's why Gerald Everett, 60 yards or a touchdown in four of his last five games, did get that score last week. Um, someone like Cole Komet. Like, I would love to say he's got that upside, but he really doesn't right now. He's a tight end 11 on the season, 24 of 37 for 243, like since week 12. That's it. The problem is he doesn't have a touchdown this year, and they continually want to use Jimmy Graham in the red zone. For a long time last year, Jimmy Graham actually led the NFL in red zone targets, and we're kind of seeing him get back to that. They're wanting to feed him the ball. So even if you do have Nick Foles, who even in his time in Philadelphia, we know he loved to use the tight end, I'm worried those those crucial targets inside the red zone, inside the 10, are going to go more towards Jimmy Graham. Komet's got that higher end uh, tight end to upside, but I can make that case for about 10 other tight ends uh, because they all kind of fall in that same kind of range. You're just banking on the touchdown. I think if you're going to make a case for one, I think we go Tyler Conklin just yep. due to the Adam Thielen injury. Uh, five target, uh, Four uh, receptions on five targets last week against the Rams. He would likely be the number three option. We talk about Dalvin Cook. He is iffy right now based on his COVID protocols, but he does have that same kind of like, you know, that touchdown upside. He's going to see, like all these guys are going to see between four to five targets. They're going to get you around 40 to 50 yards. You're just hoping for a touchdown. I think in this one, if you're going to take a shot, I mean, Gerald Everett against Detroit makes some sense, but I think Tyler Conklin against Green Bay does make some sense as well. They've been a little susceptible at times to the tight end, but it's, look, you're throwing darts at this point at the tight end position if you're looking for a streamer right now. Now, you heard it from Tommy Garrett, our Pro Football Network fantasy football analyst. You can check out his work, profootballnetwork.com. Also here, Pro Football Network, Pro Football Network Weekly and in the mood for fantasy football. Ladies and gentlemen, like I said, don't turn your dial. Stay tuned. Stay here. And in the next 15 minutes, we're going to be back for Between the Hashes here on Pro Football Network Weekly. You're going to hear from Ollie Hodgkinson and Ian Cummings, in-depth NFL draft and college football discussion, especially as, guess what, ladies and gentlemen, we have the college football playoffs this week, but they talk about the wide receiver position blue. in depth check it out and obviously Tommy's a big Michigan fan hoping for a victory here this week that'll do it for me here today Cody Ward host of Pro Football Network Weekly speaking from my good friend Tommy Garrett we'll see you next time here Pro Football Network Weekly tomorrow 3 o'clock Eastern Time here on twitch.tv slash Pro Football Network